On a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down land through the sugar cane. He was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang a song of the land of Middle Canada. Hey there, this is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode number 20, a little bit about gear. And I'm your host, Gizmo. So, episode 20, a nice round number. We've been doing this podcast for almost five months now, and the gear episode is one I've been working on for a long time. Do you know what? It just has not pulled together. I gave myself all day yesterday to finally figure it out, and I didn't figure it out. Now it's Monday, and I still haven't finished this thing. So, with that said, this episode was going to be all about gear. But the scope of that was just too much, so it's a little bit about gear. With that said, let's dive in. So first, a little business. So a few weeks back in episode 18, I told you that I had some Sounds of the Trail stickers made, and if you wanted one, all you had to do was send me your address. Well, I had a great response, but I do still have a few stickers left. So if you were thinking about sending me an email, but never got around to it, you still can. All you have to do is send an email to soundsofthetrail at gmail.com with your address, and I will mail you a sticker. Speaking of the stickers, I have to admit I was sort of baffled by my own decision to send out stickers to people, because it was one of those decisions I made without any idea why I was doing it, and frankly, it seemed like a terrible idea. The podcast is, to be honest, already a fair amount of work, and this just seemed like more work. However, now I understand. I get it. It was an excuse to have real contact with all of you. It can be hard for me to sort of connect up the the bar graphs that my podcast hosting company gives me with real people who are out there and listening to this podcast. But it turns out that you're not bots. You are, in fact, real people out there listening to this microphone and this podcast and you're all really nice. So, even off trail, I think the trail community is one of the best out there, and thanks to everyone who contacted us with kind words of encouragement and support, and thanks to those of you who included some of your stories as well. It was cool to hear back from you and and learn more about where you're coming from and where you're listening. One of the most surprising things that kept popping up in the emails you sent us was that many of you described this podcast as either educational or informative. And this is surprising because there are two things I've tried really hard to avoid, and that's to be either educational or informative. I mean, just having a podcast where we would sit around and talk about gear would be much easier for me than what we're doing. It turns out my trail name isn't Gizmo because I'm super into gremlins. My trail name is Gizmo because I really enjoy long, boring conversations about gear. But I have a couple reasons for not wanting to talk about gear on this podcast in general. And the first reason is that gear is probably the most covered topic in outdoor audio media. 
there's already a lot of stuff out there, and I didn't think that Sounds of the Trail needed to clutter up the internet with more gear talk. And the second reason is that, frankly, through hikers are full of shit. <laughs> now I'm bleeping myself. But seriously, we are probably the worst source of information out there. You can ask 10 through hikers for advice and get 10 different things back, five of which are in direct conflict with each other. So where does that leave us? Despite all of that, you don't hike from one end of the country to the other with only the things you can carry on your back without having those things that you choose to carry becoming pretty important. So today, we're going to do it. We are going to talk about gear. To start us off, I thought I would read an excerpt of a listener email sent to us by Leah from Tennessee. And in between lots of other nice things, she had this to say. One thing I really love to hear more about is gear. This may sound silly, but for those of us wanting to get out there, it's hard to know what to buy sometimes, and reviews online can vary so wildly. Things like, what kind of packs do people carry? What is the typical pack weight on the trail? What brands of gear do you see most often? Are people REI fanatics, or do they order stuff from the cheapest place they can find? What kind of hiking socks, boots, clothes do people wear? Do you guys set up a tent every time you're not in a shelter? Does anyone use sleeping pads, or is that too much of a luxury? Down or synthetic sleeping bags? I could go on, but I don't want to get obnoxious here. Leah, I totally get it. These are not silly questions. Unfortunately, we are going to do a bad job of answering them. Let's start at the top. What kind of packs do people carry, and what is a typical pack weight? To answer this question, I'm actually going to read a short excerpt of a piece that I'm having published this month in the Pacific Crest Trail Association's Communicator, because I think it sort of illustrates the answer to your question. The short preface to the story is that my partner Jesse and I were about two and a half months into our thru-hike, and we were almost finished with the Sears at the time of this story. We've only just returned to the trail when we run into two other PCT hikers taking a break. There's a third pack next to them. That's our buddy's pack, they explain. He forgot his wallet at camp. That's the smallest pack I've ever seen, I exclaim. Is his food in there? Yeah, that's everything. His base weight is six pounds. Six pounds? Yeah, he's hungry and cold a lot. They pause. He doesn't like it when we tell people that, though. Jesse and I laugh along with them. Having a tiny pack doesn't get you any trail cred if you're miserable all the time. I have a sneaking suspicion that most super ultralighters are hungry and cold a lot, but will never admit it. The two hikers we're talking to do not fall into that category. The dude tells us that his base weight is 33 pounds, four of which come from the didgeridoo strapped to his pack. Huh. If I were to give myself a four-pound musical instrument allowance, I think I'd pick something with a wider range. But six pounds, 33 pounds, or 15 pounds, which is my base weight, here we all are, coming up on 1,000 miles. So, Leah, to answer your question, from what I saw, the average base pack weight is somewhere between 5 pounds and 50 pounds. And for those of you who aren't as familiar with the lingo, base pack weight refers to the weight of your pack with only your gear and doesn't include your food or water weight. The type of pack needed to carry such widely varied loads, well, you know, they vary as well. The funny thing is, is there isn't really a clear connection between the happiness of a thru-hiker and the size of their pack. You might think that the guy with a 33-pound pack would be feeling depressed about having to hike that load up and down mountains. 
but he wasn't. He was totally stoked to be on the trail with his didgeridoo and his fishing pole and his Remington air rifle, and who knows what else he had in that back. But, you see, it's all about deciding what trade-offs you are willing to make. And trade-offs are what I would like to talk about next. To lead into it, we are going to listen to an interview on the Pacific Crest Trail with Par 3 as he talks to Chiapet about gear, about what they've learned so far, and about what trade-offs they've made. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, this is Par 3 with Sounds of the Trail, sitting at Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, getting close to the end of Oregon, and with me today I have Chiapet, so why don't you tell us how old you are, where you're from, that kind of stuff. Hi, my name is Chia Pet. I'm 25 years old. <laughs> Home before the trail most recently was Hood River, Oregon. And I'm actually pretty close to home right now, and it feels really good to be taking a few days off and seeing my friends and hanging out and stuff, oh, yeah. pretending not to be a hiker for a little while before I get back on and, and get, get back going. And it's only like 550 more miles to Canada, and it's we're going to get her done. Yeah, yeah, it's the countdown. So why don't you tell everyone kind of about the current hiker situation, the general mood of everyone, what's what's going on? It's actually a little bit interesting. I hadn't really been in civilization for a while before I got to Timberline, so I, I had known that there were some fires going on in Washington, and I was, you know, oh, oh, hopefully they'll figure it out before I really get up there, and I got to Timberline, and it, it looks like there's some pretty pretty bad stuff in the news and a lot of people are worried and and a lot of the hikers when I got here had been reading the news and there actually a lot of people are pulling off trail and going home because they figure you know Washington's going to be really smoky and they're going to have to skip a lot of it and then you know there are other people that that want to try to do as much of the trail as they can so it's kind of kind of a crossroads in a way and I think you know those of us that have been on trail since Mexico are getting kind of tired and you know, we're kind of just figuring out where we go from here, considering the fires. So it's a little bit of an interesting time on trail right now, for sure. All right, so getting down to the topic of at hand for this week, um, gear. So can you, like, summarize kind of, like, if you have a philosophy or, like, how you determined your gear, how you chose it, or maybe if you backpacked before, what, did, what thought process kind of went into choosing your gear? So I honestly have to say I I'd done a lot of backpacking before I started on the PCT, but I'd never done a through hike. And I think that I really overestimated how prepared I was going to be or how much I knew about, you know, what gear to bring and what not to bring for a through hike. And and I think I pretty much ended up with way too much stuff because, um, I you know, when you go backpacking, at least for me, I'm usually in a more remote place. I'm doing less miles. I'm hanging out a little bit more and you have to worry about more kind of what if situations because there's less people around and on the PCT or you know a little bit closer to civilization there's a ton of people around so you you don't need as much stuff for you know what if scenarios and that kind of thing you know you don't need as much food and I also I think way over researched and you know everyone who does you know who spends five months on a trail kind of figures out their little things and their little quirks and their gear and I read read so much that I just had all this stuff that I ended up getting rid of at the beginning so where my my general you know in a sentence philosophy on gear is that like if you use it 
it's worth carrying. You know, I'm, I'm not going to like make myself miserable trying to be super minimalist, but I also think it's well worthwhile to, to get rid of stuff. If you realize that you're really not using it, you know, if you haven't, honestly, if you haven't used it even in a week, like you're probably not going to need it. And it's really, if you end up wanting it later, it's really not that hard to get stuff out here you know we're in town probably at least once a week where you can buy something or have someone from back home send you something so and I think it makes sense you know at the beginning when you're out of shape to start with less and then kind of add stuff back in as you need it instead of starting on the Mexican border with this giant heavy pack that's going to make you miserable yeah no I agree um have you noticed a change you think in the general attitude since the beginning (laughs) yes and no um I think that I mean, because like, it's hard to make a generalization about all hikers yeah. because there are those people that are really hardcore minimalists. There are those people that have done through hikes before. I I think the biggest change that I that I personally <laughs> feel like I've noticed is that in the desert, a lot of people I think you know, in the desert is is the beginning of the trail. You know, it's hot and your, our packs are heavy and everyone's just getting into shape and we're just starting. And I feel like a lot of people bought a lot of new gear during that time which kind of makes sense because you're on the trail and you're figuring out how your stuff is holding up but I also in a way feel like even myself included people kind of throw money at gear thinking that the grass is greener it's like you know if they're having a rough time and you know they're gonna spend 500 bucks on a sleeping bag that's a pound lighter and I feel like now that we've all made it this far I mean people are still you know updating gear as their gear is wearing out but I feel like people are less apt to like replace stuff when they have a perfectly good one just because they think that it's going to make all their problems go away because really like we're going to have bad days and we're going to have days that our packs are heavy and it's going to be steep and it's going to be hot and we're going to be miserable and Mm -hmm. that's that's going to happen anyway you know whether your sleeping bag weighs one pound or two pounds so I feel like people are a little bit more kind of like happy with what they have unless it's falling apart instead of just like buying you know buying the latest thing they kind of have like if I made it this far with it then and it's working obviously and I'm not yeah. off the trail I'm not broken so I can clearly handle the weight or whatever um, at this point along the way but yeah I think I have noticed a definite definite like at this point it's just like well I'm I think it's just more stuff is breaking down and people yeah. are kind of like I've seen a lot of stuff breaking tents <laughs> ripping you know packs deteriorating and that's really the only big changes I've seen are when people have something's gone busted but I agree uh, although for myself personally um and this is kind of you know a case in point I just got a new backpack recently and the one that I had before like wasn't that comfortable it was an ultralight pack and I think you know when I'd put too much weight in it 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 was giving me problems with my shoulders so I ended up buying a new pack that like the pack itself is a little bit heavier but I've been a lot more comfortable so that but at the same time I made it you know, well over a thousand miles with the old pack, just dealing with it. And, and conversely, I I have a sleeping bag that's really old and really heavy. And, and I've been thinking about replacing it the whole hike. And at this point, I'm just gonna, gonna deal with it. Cause really at the end of the day, it keeps me warm and it, it's functional. It's just heavy, you know? So Mm -hmm. when, when it, I'll probably buy a lighter sleeping bag when it, when it eventually completely wears out, but I'm just making do with it for now because I, I've had it since the beginning and it's really not going to make a difference anymore whether I, I buy, you know, spend a bunch of money on a new one and shed a couple more pounds. Yeah. All right, so if you had to pick your favorite piece of gear, what would it be? Oh, man. 
I want to say I have a climate uh, sleeping pad and I haven't seen a lot of them on trail, but they're really nice because they're pretty much the lightest inflatable pads I think you can buy. They have this kind of X-frame shape oh, with yeah, with gaps in them to make them lighter. And it's it's not the most comfortable air pad I've ever slept on, but it's six ounces. And for the weight, I think <laughs> wow. it makes a huge difference for me over just a foam pad. So, yeah, it's, it's not... It's not like some crazy unique piece of gear. You know, everyone has a sleeping pad, but, you know, I want to mention it just because it's something that I haven't seen a whole lot, but I think it, it's it's really nice. And speaking of weight, it's been a, a good way for me yeah. to cut some extra weight off of my pack, when, you know, when you have little, you know, warmer sleeping bag or this or that and other little things that make your pack a little heavier. And it's funny for us, it's like second nature now, but it's like for all the people who don't backpack it's such a balance and it's tough because you have your first like the, the use of it how good of a product is it you have the weight and then you have the cost and there are other little things like i mean how does it pack down or the size sometimes but balancing those three things becomes kind of an art you know you kind of have to you have this judgment where it's like oh a couple hundred dollars for a few ounces like not worth it but um, we kind of, we get, I guess, pretty good at it. Like yeah. you, get, you, you, you find this fine line in your own gear and everyone has their own like kind of threshold for cost <laughs> and for weight, either, but, but like, like, it's, it's kind of funny how everyone yeah, has their own scale and balance and way of doing things. And we all end up having really similar, but like at the same time, completely different gear. Yeah, versatility is, I, I would add that to kind of what, what I use to, to determine what gear I'm going to buy as well. You know, like Par 3 said, the, you know, spending, you know, hundreds of dollars to save a couple ounces isn't worth it, but spending hundreds of dollars to save like a couple pounds maybe is. And, and for me as well, you know, you can, I could spend a bunch of money on a really, really light sleeping bag, but is it going to keep me warm mm-hmm. when it's really cold? And that's kind of the versatility aspect for me is like, I'm willing to carry a little bit of extra weight personally to know that you know when the weather gets bad and stuff gets crazy and i'm in diverse situations that my gear is still gonna hold up yeah so do you have would you have a least favorite piece of gear that you maybe have to carry that's a really good question (laughs) I feel like the kind of the bane of my existence right now is a lot of little things that I, I feel like I've really stripped down my, my, you know, important gears, you know, like some of it's really ultralight, some of it's not, but all of, you know, the big items are really essential. I, I feel like I've gotten rid of, rid of the lot of the clothes that I wasn't wearing and stuff like that. But now it's kind of like my like bag of toiletries feels absurdly heavy to me and I just can't, you the know, junk drawer. yeah, yeah. The junk drawer I think is, is kind of, um, bugging me right now i also have a stove and i think if i were to do it again i would consider going stoveless but it's also really nice to have a stove and it's it it just makes your life you know you think Mm -hmm. it's going to make your life easier when you bring these comforts and really i find it makes your life easier to just have as little crap that you have to worry about out here you know the the least number of things you have to pack in your bag in the morning the least number of things you have to dig through mm-hmm. when you're trying to get something out actually is i think more of a luxury than having those luxuries yeah and i find i've kind of like i found ways to consolidate my gear i don't know exactly like the best example but i feel like i haven't cut that much out but it's just gotten like i found things that operate for multiple uses you know like stuff that can like my knife has a little fork and it can 
that's what I use, and it's just like the lightest little crappy blade, but it has multiple uses for me, and that cuts out like two different items that I would have to carry. So I think, yeah, multi-use is one of the things I really love in gear, like things that, like my trekking poles off, they set up my tent so I don't carry poles, stuff like that. So final question, do you have a piece of gear that you wish, like, if money and, or yeah, I say if money wasn't an issue and someone was just going to gift you a piece of gear, what would you want to replace? What would you want a new piece of? (laughs) For me, definitely my sleeping bag, and I think that I would try an ultralight quilt at this point if I was going to upgrade that, because that, again, you know, everyone's pack is different, but for me right now, I think that... (laughs) I could save the most weight by replacing one piece of gear with that. Because a lot of, you know, like I said, I feel like, you know, there's all this heavy stuff in my pack in the junk drawer, but really, you know, soap isn't going to be any lighter. You know, toothpaste isn't going to be any lighter. My phone charger isn't going to be any lighter. And if I got an ultralight quilt, it would probably cut about two pounds off my pack right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, cool. You get to nerd out about gear for a little bit. Yeah, thanks for the interview, and uh, we'll be reporting in, I'm sure, everyone from Trail Days in a few days, so you'll hear a bunch from from us then. Uh, Until then, this is Part 3 and signing off from Sounds of the Trail. So there are a couple things that Part 3 and Chiapet talked about that I sort of want to draw our attention back to, and the first part is where Chiapet sort of discusses the difference between weekend backpacking and thru-hiking. And strangely, it turns out you need less gear to hike 2,000 miles than you do for a long weekend trip. It seems sort of counterintuitive until you think about it a bit. On a weekend trip, with time for books and hanging out and leisure time in the backcountry, a camp chair, for example, might be a great idea. On a thru-hike, you do not need a camp chair. So... Another thing that I wanted to point out from that interview is what Chiaped said about being able to change your gear up while on the trail. We're through hikers. We're not Lewis and Clark. If you forget something, or if something breaks, or it isn't working for you anymore, there are ways to get new stuff. So you don't need to put so much pressure on yourself to have the perfect pack when you're starting out at the monument. The last and most important thing that I wanted to point out was what Par 3 said about trade-offs. And let's listen to that bit again, because he nailed it. Like, for all the people who don't backpack, it's such a balance, and it's tough because you have your first, like, the the use of it, how good of a product is it. You have the weight, and then you have the cost. And there are other little things, like, I mean, how does it pack down, or the size sometimes. But balancing those three things becomes kind of an art, you know? You kind of have to, you have this judgment where it's like, oh couple hundred dollars for a few ounces like not worth it i think he described the three main trade-offs pretty perfectly everything is about balance one thing he didn't mention specifically though is that for most pieces of gear it is nearly impossible to optimize all three but you can usually have two of them it'll be lightweight and cheap or it'll be cheap and easy to use or it'll be easy to use and it will be lightweight pick your two out of three Let's try and tackle Leah's next question. Are people REI fanatics, or do they order stuff from the cheapest place they can find? So the question of where to get your gear is a tough one. There are definitely hikers out there who totally outfit themselves at the bigger name outdoor stores like REI. And it didn't used to be the case, but nowadays 
there are increasingly good options for quality lightweight through hiking gear that's being made by the big names that you can get at these outdoor stores with these large brands. But there's also this huge, awesome, and confusing world of small-scale cottage manufacturers who make really great gear. And just off the top of my head that I can think of, there's ULA, there's Z-Packs, Gossamer Gear, Six Moons, Hyperlate, and Tarp Tents, and there's a bunch more. But all of these companies make great products that you're not going to find in REI, either for tents or packs or other items. And on top of that, there's option number three, which is making your gear yourself. To talk about this properly, I'm going to have to talk about my guru, who was Ray Jardine. Some of you may have heard of him before, and he can be sort of a polarizing figure in gear conversations, as he has a lot of unconventional advice and lots of opinions. So who is he? Before I ever heard about hiking the PCT, I had actually heard of Ray Jardine, because he is the inventor of a piece of climbing gear, which is known either as a spring-loaded cam or as a friend, and it was a true, it was a truly revolutionary piece of gear, and it truly is a friend for a climber. I've taken falls on this type of gear myself, and, you know, it's kept me off the ground. So when I, as a, a fledgling thru-hiker hopeful, was entering this wild and confusing world of online advice for thru-hikers, I decided I needed a guru, and who better to have as a guru than the inventor of a piece of gear that I trust with my life? So... So who is Ray Jardine? Uh, the quick intro is, after an impressive and controversial life as a rock climber, Ray Jardine eventually got into sailing, and then after that he got into long-distance hiking. And so he and his wife have tens of thousands of miles logged under their belt. He's hiked the Pacific Crest Trail at least three times, and the Appalachian Trail at least three times, and the Continental Divide Trail, and the Idaho-Utah-Arizona Trail, which isn't even a thing, but he made it a thing. And he hiked it. So he's got some trail cred. And he also has a 7-pound base weight. And he makes almost all of his own gear himself. So I found about 30% of his advice to be absolutely genius. And the other 70% I have totally rejected. Which is funny because one of my great friends on the trail, Bluesman, is also an acolyte of Ray Jardine. And he has about the same ratio of advice he's taken versus rejected. But... The funny part is that his 30% of genius and my 30% of genius have almost zero overlap. There's just one piece of advice of, of razoring wisdom, if you will, that Bluesman and I both have in common. And it's the same piece of wisdom that totally transformed how I thought about my gear when I was getting ready. In the intro to his book, Trail Life, Ray Jardine says, This book is about our trail life our experiences during those backpacking journeys and other wilderness adventures, and what we have learned from those experiences. Yes, this book is also about our gear and techniques, but only from the standpoint of what has worked well for us. If the reader gleans a few ideas from this book, so much the better. But an even better plan is to discover what works best for you by making your own choices and interpretations. And that last line for me is the kicker, is that when it comes to your gear, it really is all about you. You have to discover what works best for yourself. You don't need to rely on experts or gear manufacturers. 
You're the only expert who matters when it comes to your gear, and you know yourself better than anyone else, and you know what you'll need to do. You'll be able to figure this out. You know what trade-offs are important to you, and you'll be able to find that balance. And as you look through advice online or through these books or from experts, you know, you should feel empowered to completely reject advice or to adopt things or to modify it. And not just ideas. We're talking about gear. You should feel free to cut off straps, to add pockets, to cut off zippers. It's your gear. There's there's no rules just because it comes some way from a manufacturer that you have to use it in that way or because it was intended for a particular use that that's how you have to use it. Which leads me to the point of making your own gear. So Ray Jardine is super into this idea of making your own gear. And there's some things, obviously, you're not going to make at home. Most people are not going to be stamping, say, titanium pots in their garage. But there are a lot of things that it's pretty easy for most people to make, like your shelter or your sleeping bag. And although Bluesman did not adopt any of this advice, I really like this idea. If you are a do-it-yourselfer in general, you should probably consider looking into making your own gear. There's kits, there's instructions out there, there's lots of cool ideas, and you can custom make your own stuff to be exactly how you want it to be. So my partner Dirtnap and I ended up hiking the PCT with a shelter that we had sewed ourselves from one of Ray Jardine's kits, and my sleeping bag was a quilt from a kit that Ray Jardine sells as well, and I was I was totally satisfied with them. And I know lots of people who wouldn't be, but I thought they were great. So if you if you do the miles, who's to say, right? So to sort of illustrate this point that gear is so personal and everyone has something else that they're going to appreciate or like about it, what we've been doing is we've been asking through hikers what their number one favorite piece of gear is. And... We had some qu- some answers to this question that were pretty similar, some answers that were different, and I'll just let you go ahead and take a listen at the spread of answers and what people have to say about their favorite piece of gear. What is your, what's your favorite piece of gear? Like, what gear do you feel like you really like a lot, and it's like something that you just kind of can't live without? Yeah. Ooh. That's a tough one. I think... Oh man, as like a like a vice like my vice piece of gear, I guess. I think it's it's a tough call between my toilet paper and my sleeping <laughs> bag. <laughs> Both are like I get really cold, so like having a really nice sleeping bag is so good, especially if you know it's a cold night and you're like tucking completely in. I don't know what I would do if I like couldn't stay warm at night. It's I think I think we're gonna have to go to sleeping bag. That's, like, my favorite piece of gear I have. Cool. And uh, what kind of, I mean, we don't like to get, like, super crazy with the gear, but what kind of sleeping bag do you have? Do you want to, like, you can talk about it because other people I have, don't hide yeah. your What do you got? I've got, I had a 17-degree Big Agnes um, sleeping bag with a liner, and that was, like, the warmest creation I've ever slept in. <laughs> And I just recently swapped that out. I sent it home for, you know, a month or two until I get back into the mountains where it's a lot colder again. But I swapped it out for a 50-degree bag, and I kept my liner. And the 50-degree bag has been 
lighter, smaller. Um, it's given me so much more pack room, and it keeps me, you know, just enough, just toasty enough to make it through all the nights, and it's been wonderful. Nice. And I'm guessing it's a down sleeping bag versus a synthetic, or what do you got? It's synthetic. Uh, oh, it is, it is synthetic. Degree, yeah, the 17 degree was down, and then the 50 degree I have now is synthetic. Nice. Are you noticing any, like, big differences between down or synthetic? Um, down definitely holds the heat um, longer. Uh, I can, like, get out in the middle of the night and then, like, get back in, and it'll still be warm. As compared to the synthetic now, if I have to get out for a pee in the middle of the night or something, it gets cold right away. But, you know, it heats back up in no time. I think down just holds the uh, your body heat a little bit longer. Nice. I think, yeah, a lot of people kind of, that's like always a big argument between through hikers is down versus synthetic because down's lighter and it holds heat better, but it also doesn't work as well when it's dirty, like your body oils, and it definitely, when it's wet, is just useless. So. <laughs> uh, it's the worst thing when down bags get wet. They take forever to dry out, too. They smell really bad, too, after that. <laughs> yeah, it's like getting out of like a you ever open up, like, a garbage can or something in the morning or you just going to have to throw garbage out? That's kind of what it smells like getting out of, like, a down bag after a week of not showering. You, like, crawl out and you're just like, oh, my God, it smells so bad. One of the last things that I want to talk about is what, what name one piece of gear that you think that you kind of can't live without on the Appalachian Trail. What piece of gear do you just, like, time and time again, you're just super thankful for it? Well, if I didn't have my water filter and my water filtration set up, I would be done. Because water right now is getting harder to find and the sources are a little bit more sketchy. Um, I thought the other day that I lost part of my water filtration setup and the feeling was not good. I mean, the the thoughts that were running through my head of how I was going to correct that situation being a couple days away from any sort of water filtration... Um, set up. So it's definitely my water filter. Beyond that, it's like the magical Santa's bag that exists as my food bag. My food bag, it, the contents of it are constantly changing, the weight, size, and everything. But as long as there's always something in there, I know I can keep going forward. So I would say first off, it's my, my source for clean water. And second off, it's my source for for energy to sustain my body to be able to to hike so many miles a day. Well, see, I need to cover my favorite piece of gear. So I love a lot of my gear. I'm kind of a gear nerd. Uh, I haven't swapped out much. have pretty much what I started with. You know, I love being online, researching gear, and trying to be as light as possible. Um, my base weight's only 7 pounds, which is seems to be lower than most people that I've met. Uh, there's a few guys that are also ultralight. Um... But I would say my favorite piece of gear is my Enlightened Equipment Enigma quilt. And the thing is just, I love it so much. Um, I slept with it when I was in San Francisco at my friend's house on her couch. And it's just held up really well. It's, uh, it's super light. I ordered it in a slim version, which I'd never seen a manufacturer offer that. But Enlightened Equipment does... Uh, and so if you're a skinny guy and you're looking for an ultralight quilt, for some people it might be too slim. Uh, you have to be careful when you're rolling. If you 
toss and turn a lot um, since it is narrower uh, if it's a cold night you can get kind of drafty but um, for the weight it's amazing and their prices are, are super reasonable um, the loft is held up extremely well in it which uh, I guess I had a western mountaineering bag before this on the AT and maybe just because it's it's a little wetter on the AT and more condensation that didn't hold a loft as well as this but I love this thing and I got it in a custom color even though I it's just black but I got this like coyote color on the inside and yeah, I love it to death. Another piece of gear that I absolutely love is my Gossamer Gear Nightlight pad. And that's just the this trifold pad. It's only long enough to cover to be under my knees uh, or under my hip and under my shoulder. That's it. It's like four ounces. It's so light. And it takes some getting used to. The first few nights I had it, you know, maybe it was just adjusting to everything. But, uh now I sleep like a baby on it. It's fabulous. So if you, if you want to cut weight and you're serious about it, you can adjust. Your body will adjust. As long as you can be warm enough, comfort can come. Or at least for us young kids, <laughs> it can come. So, All right, this is Silver then signing out. All right, Gizmo, we're cutting to the, the little gear clip. I'm going to ask you your favorite piece of gear. Okay. All right, so here we have Joan of Arc, a.k.a. The Kid, and what is your absolute favorite piece of gear and why? Hmm. I'd have to say, well, this is a hard one because I like a lot of gear, but um, I'd have to say my tent because it's got all these cool little pockets up above it. What's the tent? And, oh, it's a black tail two-person Big Agnes tent. So yeah, it's a little bit heavier than the average tent, but it's a two-person tent, so I feel like I have a little house, and it's got these huge vestibules, and it's got two doors, all these like handy little pockets, and I'm not even in my tent right now, but who cares? That's all right. I just like knowing I have it, so. <laughs> Your own little portable home. Exactly. It's perfect. Uh, with me today, our interviewee is Power Thighs. You want to introduce yourself, talk about where you're from? Hey guys, I'm Power Thighs. I'm uh, 25. I'm from Massachusetts. Came out here to do the hike, and we're doing pretty well so far, so I'm pretty excited. All right, so as a, on a side note, we are looking to hear your number one favorite piece of gear and what the, the make, the model, and why it is your favorite piece of gear. Hands down my sleeping bag, which is the Western Mountaineering Ultralight, regular size, right zip. It's unbelievably light. It is the loftiest sleeping bag. It is incredibly well constructed. And every night when I get to camp, I'm just so happy that I have that to crawl into. It's just the most comfortable and like reassuring thing when I get to camp. It's a great bag. Props to you, Western Mountaineering. Yeah, I have a same brand and I'm very, very happy with it. Yeah, it's absolutely worth the money. No doubt. I'm supposed to ask you what piece of gear you probably, like, what piece of gear could you not live without and what gear has changed the most for you on the trail? Oh, wow. Um, the pack was a big thing. I had to change mine out uh, in Harper's Ferry and go to a little smaller pack and one that was fit better because I had lost uh, a bunch of weight that I didn't expect to lose. 
and my original pack didn't fit properly. And I think a well-fitting pack is about the the best thing that you need. I I've done away with the sleeping bag. I haven't used that since the beginning. After it, after we got off the six thousand footers, other than uh, the pack, I would say your shoes. And I've gone through. I'm on my third or fourth pair now. I think. So what I want to know is what is your number one favorite piece of gear? Ooh, that's a hard one. I would say my trekking poles, right? Like this last section, they saved me because I was basically just using them as crutches. <laughs> I was just like, ah! <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was just like using them, staking them in, and dragging myself with them, you know? But, uh, oh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. On oh. See, for me, that's a really easy question. It's my second favorite piece of gear that stumps me. Yeah, what is your first? Your first? My titanium trowel. Oh, do you have the Ace of uh, Ace of Spades, is it, I think it's called? I have the Kiwiz, like Q-I-W-I-Z. It's been around for a lot longer. I don't know why no one had heard of it. Oh, really? I yeah. Was, I got the Ace of Spades. I love that, too. But um, Every time I dig a hole, I was just like, right on. <laughs> <laughs> and there were two of us sharing it, right? So if you think, yeah. like, okay, so we're out on the trail for five months and there's two of us, let's estimate conservatively one poop a day. Like, how many times <laughs> am I just so happy to have this trowel? Yeah. I never thought about that. I really took my trowel for granted, I think, now. <laughs> well, now you'll think about it totally different. Oh, I'm totally going to think about that. Next time I'm like, thank you. Thank you, trowel. I like to ask people what their number one favorite piece of gear is. My number one favorite piece of gear I got a pair of, at kickoff, a pair of Outdoor Research sun sleeves. You know, they're like a thin uh, fabric. You know, it's a synthetic fabric thing. And you can pull, pull them up on your arms because I did not like wearing sunscreen because you sweat and the trail's so dusty and you're just covered in mud. So I usually wore long pants, you know, that would, you know, I could zip off a little bit and so I could get some ventilation. But I put these, I, I wore a short sleeve t-shirt uh, it was an Under Armour heat T-shirt, but I put these little arm sleeves on, and that protected my arms from getting roasted. But the when you would sweat, you know, they had this wicking, you know, so they would actually cool you off. So during the day, it was almost like a cooling effect, but then at nighttime, they were like sleeves, so they were kind of warm. So Leah, in conclusion, I think we have failed to answer any of your questions. I would apologize, but, you know, there's just so many things out there, and the only way to figure out your gear is to look into your options and to try some stuff out and to see what works for you. So, best of luck. And don't worry, I do think pretty much everyone figures it out. Anyhow, there's only so much talking about gear that needs to happen, so what we're going to do is we are going to wrap up with a couple of rapid-fire interviews that Par 3 did while he was at PCT Days a few weeks ago. So, let's see what our PCT hikers have to say. Hey, this is Par 3 with Sounds of the Trail. I'm here with... Clutch. And uh, why don't you tell us how old you are? I'm Where 22. You from? I'm from Portland. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're doing rapid fire today. So, uh, first question: worst food you've had to eat on the trail? Worst food I've eaten on trail is definitely 
some like Near East falafel mix that I didn't have a stove. I thought it was the couscous or like tabbouleh. <laughs> I was, that's what happens when you resupply drunk. But uh, it was just dough. And it was the only thing I had left in my food bag. <laughs> I ate it at the Mill Creek Fire Station. It was, it was a sad time in my life. <laughs> All right, best camp spot. Pass. I don't have a good one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I just camp on flat <laughs> ground. I can feel dark. Favorite part about getting into town? Alcohol. Liquid bread. Liquid bread. And real bread and hummus. <laughs> All right, favorite piece of gear? A schmog. What's that? I haven't had one since, like, Bishop, because I lost it. But it's like a Middle Eastern scarf thing. It's made of cotton. It's good for everything. And what's your least favorite piece of gear that you still have to carry? Inreach. Definitely sucks. <laughs> it's like a half pound, and Mama makes me carry it. All right. Doing podcast? All right, part three here with... Jafar. Where are you from, Jafar? San Francisco. How old are you? 27. All right, so <laughs> what is your favorite piece of food to pack out? Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts? All right. Yeah. What is your favorite poop story? Poop story? Uh, Tio pooping on Poodle Dog Bush. <laughs> Why don't you tell the story? Tio was mad at the Poodle Dog Bush, and he was pooping directly on one off the edge of a rock from the Chill Heart truck. <laughs> uh, favorite place you've camped? This is rapid fire. Yeah, but I don't know. Not rapid answer. Uh, Too many to choose from. Some ridge in Oregon. All right. I don't know. Favorite stretch of trail? One section. JMT. Least favorite section of trail? <laughs> <laughs> Desert, Southern California. Maybe? All right. Cool. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we're here. It's part three. We're at Timberland Lodge, and we're doing rapid-fire questions, best of, worst of, and here with... Power Thighs. All right, Power Thighs. What was your worst meal that you've had to eat on the trail? Oh, last night I hiker boxed dehydrated peas and dehydrated beef, and it tasted like cardboard. <laughs> and it also had the consistency of chalk. All right. <laughs> Favorite part about getting into town? Burgers, pizza, beer. Best poop spot? High Sierras, whole, all of High Sierras. <laughs> Best camp spots. Also the High Sierras. <laughs> favorite section of the trail? Sonora Pass. Uh, least favorite section of the trail? Tatchby. All right, we're going to switch over. Now we are with Tahini. Where are you from? Uh, Minnesota. All right, Tahini. What was, what's your favorite part about getting back on the trail? Just moving again, making miles, you know. Uh, favorite meal you've eaten, either on the trail or in town? Caldera Brewery, Ashland, Oregon. We did the whole works. Yeah, three, <laughs> three courses. Took Redwood on a date. All right, best, best trail town. <laughs> Ooh, best trail town, Ashland, where Caldera Brewery Least is. Least favorite trail town. Ooh, probably Big Bear? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Big Bear? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Toss him <laughs> under the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Big Bear is also my least favorite Though actually, I stayed at stayed at what's it called the uh, Papa Smear. That's yeah, pretty sweet. Papa Smear. Yeah, the hostel is neg vibes. Neg vibes. Dang. All right, Redwood. Is it going? Worst day. Worst day. Um, two days ago, just being absolutely burnt out. Every step is hell. Just like, just honestly, like I've never felt that bad while I, I've hiked. All right. Favorite trail name. 
favorite trail name? Mm. <laughs> Can I say? <laughs> Can I say Go ahead. Butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, least favorite trail name. Um, so, uh, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite piece of gear? Man, probably my skillet now. Yeah, because I can make anything I want. Best trail magic experience. Best trail magic experience. Uh, what? Chester. Chester? Yeah, yeah. Chester was pretty good, but I don't know. I, I really liked getting burgers at mile 1776 because, you know, you just Freedom. walk in the mm-hmm. woods, experience America, and eat some burgers. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty nice. All right, worst water source. Worst water source. Um, actually, what was that? Three days ago, there was um, there's like this tiny little puddle of a spring that uh, just I counted like over forty frogs in this little puddle, <laughs> and <laughs> there was like a board, and I just like stepped on the board and just took a dunker in it and had to drink the water I just took a dunker in. Like my yeah, my feet were wet. Drinking frog water. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so that's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening again. If you are feeling so inclined and you haven't done so yet, you can head on over to iTunes and leave us a review because we'd love them. But if not, you know, no pressure. Until next week, this is Sounds of the Trail. Gizmo signing off. Rock Candy Mountain, you never have to change your socks. And little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bowls at the tip of their hats, and the railroad bowls are all blind. There's a little lake of stew and a whiskey, too. You can paddle all around it in your big canoe on the big rock candy mountain. Okay, if you're still listening, I have one more interview today, but I told Kimchi I wasn't going to include this, so don't tell her. Here is uh, Kimchi trying to interview her hiking partner, Rock Ocean. All right, Gizmo, this is for you, and I'm really sorry. Hopefully you don't have to edit this too much. Figured I'd try something different today. I haven't talked to you in a little while, but you can edit all this part out at the beginning. But I'm going to interview Rock Ocean while we're hiking. <laughs> so let's see how this goes. Alright. <clears throat> this is Kim Chi with Sounds of the Trail. Man, do I get tired of hearing my voice saying that. I am currently in Vermont. Doing a flip-flop, zigzag, crisscross. God knows what I want to call this. Rock Ocean and I have been hiking together since the 17th of August. Um... We made it about 250 miles into Maine together, and then, I don't know, a bunch of different crazy things have happened, and he had to be down in Manchester, Vermont for a wedding, was hoping to hike down to it, but we've both (laughs) definitely altered the course of our through hike. Um, So, we somehow got a truck from a great guy who I'm going to interview at another time. We came down to Vermont... And started northbounding again. 
to pass the time before Rock Ocean has to go to a wedding. So, I'm finally going to attempt to interview Rock Ocean. This is a hard thing for me because it's like, man, it's like interviewing someone that you super, super, super look up to. Uh, so it's really kind of um, nerve-wracking. <laughs> I feel kind of nervous. Uh, really nervous. I've uh, mentioned him a couple of times in different podcast uh, episodes, and actually, he's kind of a trail legend. Everybody knows who he is because he was a shuttle driver for the Pacific Crest Trail and also for a number of years on the Appalachian Trail. And this year, he's currently through hiking the entire Appalachian Trail with his own sidesteps. Anyone who knows him or has met him has most definitely been sort of changed and altered just by talking to him and spending time with him, which is why it's a little hard for me to do this interview. Uh, I think I mentioned we're hiking down Mount Killington right now, which is pretty epic. Uh, it's beautiful outside. I think it might possibly rain. But this is going to be the end of our time in Vermont for now. So I figured it was a very fitting time to try and talk to him. So I'm going to have to pass the phone back and forth for this interview. So we'll see how this works. I guess I can ask you a couple of questions. And this is actually working for me because I'm not going to laugh hysterically when I have to look at your face. <laughs> uh, first of all, I need you to introduce yourself Say where you're from, how old you are, how you got into hiking, and uh, we'll go from there. Hello, everyone. Kim Chi, thank you for those kind words, as always. Um, which, which way should I hold this phone? Does it matter? Hold it to your mouth. No, the button on the top? Or? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> All right, we got this. Oh, we do. Gizmo, you're awesome. That episode of um, Other Dreams was really amazing. And it was extra special because I was there when it was going down. But, um, yeah, my name's Rock Ocean. I'm from uh, Brandon, Florida, which is just outside of Tampa. And uh, I lived there since, like, 1986 when I was six years old. And... Um, Went hiking for the very first time five years ago, and um, that's it. Should I pass the phone forward to Kimchi? Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. All right, so this is kind of a really weird style of interviewing, first of all, because we are walking down the side of a mountain, and I have to pass this back and forth to Rock Ocean. Rock Ocean's also pretty shy, <laughs> so this should be really fun. I think it would be easier if I was looking at them, except for usually that makes both of us crack up a whole lot. Um, so I'm really lucky to be hiking with Rock Ocean for a number of reasons. We we wanted to, Gwen wanted me to cover, oh, Gizmo, sorry about that, wanted me to cover uh, a topic about, like, basically doing something um, and basically thinking you're, you might regret it, making a decision, and then realizing that it probably was like one of the better decisions that you've made through hiking lends itself to that. And I think <laughs> Rock Ocean has a, a really interesting philosophy on life in general. So I'm curious to see how he's going to answer this one. So why don't we try and answer this question? 
I think you were sitting in on an interview with me this morning, so I think you understand the question. What, I guess if there's something that you thought you might regret doing on the trail, what has, like, turned out to be a positive thing instead? Like, you're not regretting it. Um, I don't really regret anything that's happened on the trail because pretty big believer in, uh, like what is, is what is. So going uphill in the pouring rain for two days is okay. Yeah. No, no regrets at all. No regrets ever. Okay. Let's do this. This is going to be a really bad interview. I can't do this one without looking at you. I'm trying to look at you. Okay. Well, <laughs> Gwen, don't kill me. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is going to be our second test interview. Oh, look at this forest. So right now we're walking through a really beautiful patch of forest. I don't know. I am trying to turn this interview into something that I think I need to turn it into, but it's really just hard for me to interview him. Um, <laughs> probably because I'm with you every day. <laughs> okay, so there you have it. No regrets. That's that. Why don't you use this time to sort of like say the stuff that you actually believe in and what through hiking is for you and how you make it happen, like how it's possible for you to through hike and live your life the way you do. Um, it's kind of funny you say about what I believe in because I kind of have a uh, very odd philosophy of not having any beliefs and uh, I think I think that kind of allows me to flow more like water uh, where you don't judge anything and just kind of uh, hang out on this earth and enjoy it as best you can. And I guess on being on trail is where I feel the most like water. And I'm able to flow without the um, kind of trappings of society um, that keep you down. Yeah, I just really love the trail. God, this is like too hard for me to do right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to stop. I can't interview you while we're walking. Stop.